Apart from the wonder and majesty of God's vastness, one of the most intriguing things in Scripture is spiritual beings. For instance, we meet Satan for the first time in Genesis 3, but we don't really learn too much about him. He just pops on the scene for us, really. Then in Genesis 18, there are three angels of the Lord that meet with Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. But other than appearing in the form of men, we only learn why they've come to meet with Abraham. They're still a bit mysterious outside of the immediate context. And then there's a whole host of passages that refer to demons and their nonstop ploys to overcome God and his people. The passages range from their intent and desire for disobedience to the possession of human beings. Still yet, each is intriguing and somewhat mysterious to us. So let's take a look at each separately and consider what they are and what they do. Firstly, angels did not exist in eternity past. They are created beings. Nehemiah 9.6 says, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host. The Bible also tells us that angels are spiritual beings, meaning they do not have physical bodies unless God specifically commissions them to be seen and heard, as is the case when the angels come to Abraham. What this tells us is that angels are active even though we don't physically see most, if any, of that activity. An important point then is that being able to see angels doesn't validate God's work any more than not seeing them invalidates God's work. They are, at all times, doing the work of the Lord. The work that they do can only be understood by what the Bible tells us. There is no need, nor is it helpful, to speculate about what angels do. Most immediately, we have to affirm that angels are intelligent beings. They are created with the capacity of moral reasoning, which is why they are sent as messengers of God's divine blessing or cursing, like when the angels visit Lot in Sodom in Genesis 19. Likewise, as moral beings, they are created and remain holy as is testified to by their residence in the presence of God's glory in heaven, like Isaiah pictures in chapter 6 of his book. Angels are also said to be the protectors or guardians of God's people, but not necessarily as personal guardian angels. Evidence for the care and watchfulness of angels comes from Psalm 91. Angels also serve as a model of revering and upholding the glory of God. Even now, Psalm 103 tells us, there are angels blessing the Lord through worship and obedience to God's every word. Finally, speaking to the grandeur of God's plan of salvation, Luke 15.10 says that angels take great joy in the repentance of even just one sinner. Secondly, a very real truth, but a great tragedy that's only alluded to in Scripture, is the rebellion and fall of one great angel known to us as Satan. Fittingly, the name Satan means adversary. At some point between Genesis 1.31, when everything was still God's really good creation, and Genesis 3, when Eve was tempted to sin, there was a great rebellion of a host of angels. It's long been thought that Isaiah 14 is an account of Satan's fall. There it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn, you are brought down to Sheol. What we can know about Satan should only be discerned from God's word. Most clearly, Satan is the adversary of God. He stands in opposition to all that God does. God creates Eve perfect, good, and holy. Satan attempts to decreate Eve into an imperfect, depraved, and unholy woman. Hence, Satan is the originator of sin, and according to the account of the book of Job, the supreme leader of all of the fallen angels known as demons. Satan's ploys, though, didn't end in the garden. They continued into the wilderness where Satan tempted Jesus to disobey the Father in Matthew 4, and even today as Satan tries to destroy and overcome the church of Jesus Christ. This is clearly understood from a verse like Ephesians 6.12, which says that our battle is against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
And the enemy's battle tactics are the same as they have always been. Satan and his demonic minions, known as demons, seek to overturn God's plan and destroy God's people through fomenting lies, deceit, disunity, envy, slander, false doctrine, sickness, pride, demonic possession or influence, and a whole host of other sinful temptations. But most important to note is that Satan and his demons are under the divine power of God. In fact, Jude 6 tells us they are bound by eternal chains. What this means is that Satan can only do that which God allows. But an even greater truth is that Satan and his demons can also be resisted by God's divine grace and power in us. For the believer then, our only true enemy is one who has already been conquered by way of a cross on Calvary. Satan may tempt us to despair, but Christ holds us fast. The prophet Micah puts into words the reality of our being in Christ. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me.